Paul Jensen was a driven man. I've been you know, vice president of Sony Pictures. I've been president of two other companies at a, at a very young age. Of, you know, my competitiveness and my desire for acceptance that I had, had in college uh, just kind of transferred into my work life. You know, my family, quite frankly, was second. He was a bulldozer from the very first moment I met him. If he wanted something, he would do it. It was all about making the most of life, getting everything done. I was trying to chase after things I could acquire. None of it would ever give me peace. I knew it was empty and it was fragile and all it was going to take was something very little to show truly um, what that world really was. That something came while on vacation with his family in Joshua Tree, California. Paul and his son Jake climbed high above the rest of the group. We ended up taking this kind of easier path, bouldering over you know, some boulders to get to this point about 75 feet off the desert floor. Below, his brother-in-law was overcome with a strange feeling of fear and anxiety. Todd started telling us uh, that he wasn't feeling good, that he had, you know, he just had this awful feeling. He couldn't really explain it. I feel like something really bad's gonna happen. Right then, we heard Paul yell, ow. And at that instant, I felt my feet ripped out from under me. And the next thing I know, I'm, I'm looking at the ground about four feet in the air. My head is, and my feet are at the exact same level off the ground. And I, I was paused there. It was like I was swept up and held there for a second. I remember thinking, how did I get here? And at that instant, I dropped. Paul's leg crashed against the rocks. He balanced himself against the rock wall to prevent falling any farther. And I remember seeing the world just spin, just spin. And then that was, that was it. That was the last thing I remember. Tiffany looked up in horror as Paul's body flew off the ledge above her. He uh, came flying off just um, like a ragdoll being thrown off. He was doing, kind of doing a ragdoll cartwheel. I thought for sure he would be dead when I got there. There's no way you could survive that. There's, there's just no way he could have survived. Tiffany climbed to his seemingly lifeless body and rolled him over. He had this big hole. Um, and his skin, I could see his skull, and his face was all scraped up and bleeding. And when he did finally open his eyes, I knew at least he's alive right now. I felt like my life was slipping away on that rock. I really did. I, 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 was, I felt like my life was draining and then it was uh, kind of come back and then I felt like, and I really did feel like I was dying, but I, I had complete and absolute peace on that rock. A, a group were just forming at the bottom of the rock and um, they just started praying. There was just this large group of people that had gathered and uh, just were praying. Paul had survived a 45-foot fall landing on his head, but the first responders didn't give Tiffany much hope for his recovery. He's not out of the woods yet. He still could suffer all kinds of brain damage. He most likely has so many internal injuries that they don't know that he's going to survive. So even though you feel hopeful now, there really is not a great chance of his survival. He was airlifted to a hospital where a team of doctors waited for him. They were shocked and amazed that I was alive. They CAT scanned my entire body. They x-rayed my entire body. And more and more doctors would come in and leave and then come read his chart and leave, but they wouldn't weren't saying anything to us. If you were free falling 45 feet and land on your head, falling from that significant of a height usually carries a very high injury severity score, multi-trauma, 
head injury, spinal cord injury, that's, you know, usually a fatal, fatal blow. And so I truly was thinking, this, this obviously isn't going to be good. I got concerned, and finally I said, hey, hey, you know, what's going on? And the doctor looked at me and goes, what, haven't you heard? And I said, no. I said, they're calling you Miracle Boy around here. I said, why? Because no one had told me. And they said, well, we looked at all your tests, and you have nothing wrong with you. You have no broken bones. You have no internal injuries. Uh, your skull is not fractured. In fact, your brain waves don't even represent trauma. And at that point, I realized that it was a miracle. It truly was a miracle. Because I should have been dead. There's no reason why I should be alive today. Tiffany received a phone call from her mother that gave some perspective on the events of the day. So she said to me, I don't know what happened, but I started praying. And I really felt like Satan said, I'm going to take Paul's life. And God said, no, you're not. It was a spiritual battle that day that I feel that's the only thing that's explainable, how, how I could be ripped off that rock and more importantly, launched off that cliff. Three hours after entering the hospital, Paul was released with nothing more than a concussion. He believes it was through the prayers of his family and those on the rocks at Joshua Tree that God saved his life and gave him a new start. Paul is a 180 degree different person than he was. He is no longer that bulldozer. There's a big difference in Paul and where he puts family first for the first time ever. I specifically say thank you every day. God allowed me to still have a husband and my kids to still have a dad that's around and healthy. I'm a better father, I'm a better husband, I'm a better man, I'm a better person. I owe everything to, uh, to God. Therefore, my life is his life to use as he wants it to be used. I really come from a background where it was broken. My mother given to marriage at the age of 13, and I was born uh, when she was 14, and then dumped in the streets when I was about six or seven. Uh, started living under a bridge as, uh, as a small boy, and I became a drug addict at an early age of my life, and stabbed someone with a knife at the age of about 13 joined the Freedom Fighters in Zimbabwe and it was from there that uh, I had to shout there's no God, there's no God. Communism was the only answer. The hatred for a white man began when I was so small, when I saw them beating my father. So this day when I was given this bomb to go and plant it, I had that passion to go and kill as many white people as I could. As we walked towards the bank, we saw this big, massive tent by the roadside. And it so happened that it was from South Africa. And anything from South Africa to us was a taboo because of the white people, the way they tortured black people. And uh, there were about two, three thousand people inside singing praises to God. But we got there and I said, surround the tent in twos, every corner. And when I blow the whistle at 7 o'clock, throw the bombs inside, and I want every person inside to die. If one person escapes, I'll give you a gift of a bullet in your head. He said, okay, Steve, we'll do that. I said, well, since we've got five minutes, 
Maybe let's go inside for two minutes only to look at the people about to kill. So we went inside with our weapons in the paper bags, set right the last bench at the entrance like it was left for us. They were singing choruses, but my friends, we started singing out of tune to disturb the meeting. And one preacher came and touched my shoulder and said, please boys, keep quiet. And I pulled out my knife. I said, preacher, if you ever touch me, I'll kill you right now. And he left me. And all my gang turned towards me with shock of their life. And I said, what? Because they were surprised that I warned this preacher. I was that character when I pulled out my knife. I would use it. When I took out my gun, I would shoot. But they were shocked to see that I'd warned this preacher. They invited a pretty girl from Soweto to share a testimony. And that girl put me off balance completely because she was gorgeous. But the more she shared her testimony, she was, she was, you know, shining with the glory of God. And then she invited another black evangelist. And this man stood up and read two verses. Romans 6 verse 23, for the wages of sin is death. And the next thing, I was under deep conviction. And I was crying like a little child. The whole tent looked backwards that this boy was crying. And I picked up my guns and my bombs and went forward. And that night was my turning point. As I was crying there, I said, Jesus, have mercy upon me. I want to surrender my life to you. And the peace I got that night was unbelievable. No language can ever explain the peace and the joy I experienced that night. And that was my first time as well to, to laugh. And following that, I went to the police to surrender myself. And after eight hours, they say, if your Jesus has forgiven you, we forgive you too. And my new Bible, which I was given by a police officer, I didn't know how to read it, but I treasured so much. God, with a sense of humor, used a white man to adopt me. In spite of the laws at that time that no black people could live in the white area, you'd be arrested. So this man kept me for 15 years in spite of the laws and helped me to transform me to be what I am today. So he was the one who gave me the Senem Lungu. Many people ask me, which Bible college do you go? Did you go? I said, well, I went to Golgotha. That's where I said, where is Golgotha College? I said, at the cross where Jesus was crucified. That's where I've learned everything about, you know, about God. So to me, I can say my BA degree is born again. God has taken me around the globe, uh, preaching the gospel, meeting, you know, presidents of different countries. They invite me, pay for my ticket, and uh, preached around the United States, almost every state. Two years ago, I was preaching at Pentagon to the CIA intelligence. They said, you are the first black man to preach here. So I look at myself that God could you know, choose a person who was thrown away by my mother. Little did she know that the boy I'm dumping today who travel around the globe and 
you know, preach to his testament. But, you know, God picks up a nobody and makes you a somebody. 